Hello, welcome to the Mamas Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. This is a safe space where mamas can talk openly about their highs and lows of motherhood and to look deeper into who they are as women and their journey into motherhood. We may agree and disagree or cry and laugh, but one thing for sure is we will learn from one another and have a great time. So sit back and enjoy. Hello, welcome to the Mamas Know Best. We got something to say podcast. I am joined by Carrie. Hi, Carrie. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. So you're in Texas right now. Um, now I found you on Instagram. I know you have um, a fitness group that we'll get into, but why don't you start by telling the listeners who you are and kind of going into your motherhood journey, how many children you have and you know all of that good stuff. Okay. I am Carrie Harper. I live in Austin, Texas. I own a business called Carrie Fit. And to go way back, I started in fitness in the 90s, 1994. Good old step aerobics, if you remember that stuff. Um, I transitioned into personal training, health coaching, and pre and postnatal in 2004, which coincided with my first child. So I had my first child at the end of 2004. And then my second in 2009, they're four and a half years apart. So now I have a 15 year old and an 11 year old, and I've been specializing in postpartum fitness now since then, really digging into it for the past decade or so. Mm-hmm. I have a book, it's called Flatten My Postpartum Belly, because as I've specialized in postpartum fitness, the wide majority of people that I work with have a level of diastasis recti, which we can talk about, and pelvic floor dysfunction, and we work on recovery for those issues, those dysfunctions, and as well as just implementing fitness into a postpartum life. Okay. Wow. So tell me, um, well, I I would assume, um, is it when you became a mother that you really wanted to focus on postpartum fitness because of experiences you had with it of getting back into, you know, um, I guess into shape or just getting healthy with your body after you had your children? Yes, I had a very healthy first pregnancy felt really good the whole time. And that's when I certified in pre and postnatal because I wanted other people to have a really good feeling pregnancy because I went into it just really healthy and I didn't have weight issues and anything like that. But I dug in deeper because my postpartum period was so hard. And it was not anything like what I was expecting it to be. Um, it's kind of like you, I read all the books and then had to throw them out the window because it didn't seem like anything applied to me. And with my background, I thought, well, how could I not know that these things were going to happen to my body? And how is nobody in my industry helping me or even alluding to these issues with women that have had children? And I'm talking about women that have ever had children. Yeah. When I went back to work after having my first child and I started working with like grandmothers, I realized a lot of them never addressed the issues that they had during and after their pregnancy. And that's a long time to wait for recovery. Yeah. But I so think that's also, when I dug into that mission. Sure. And I think um, it's unfortunate because yeah, my mother, I'm sure your mother, like you said, dealing with grandparents, that older generation no one asked them. And it's so sad that in 2020, we're starting to have these conversations and allowing women to feel that they have a right, like I was talking to a mom yesterday, um, to put themselves first, right? That she's like, I am allowing and giving myself space. I'm like, that's even crazy that we have to say that we're allowing ourselves because it just never was. Like my mother took care of her parents and my home and she's, you know, older now and I can see the weight that that has literally and figuratively of put on her, you know? So that's amazing that you're working towards that or to help women come to terms with that. But it's also just so disheartening that, you know, it's in 2020 and it's just now that um, we're realizing the importance of postpartum. I know for me, the same thing. I had a healthy pregnancy. I, you know, I, I was working out beforehand, so I felt good, but I just wasn't prepared for the postpartum, whether it was the hormonal changes, the anxiety I faced, um, feeling it just, no one talks about it and you feel like, Oh my God, is it just me? You know? Um, so why don't we get into, but why don't we talk about your book? Sure. 
the book came out of all of these years of working one-on-one with people and, um, and working on myself. So when I discovered that I had diastasis recti, it was 2005. Mm-hmm. And that was just not even talked about in 2005, believe it or not. Like now it's kind of a buzzword, mm-hmm. but then I had to dig and dig and dig. And then the information that I got didn't seem to apply to me. So I didn't understand what my dysfunction was. Um, and when I finally went to the doctor about it, he was like, oh yeah, you have the worst case of diastasis recti that I've ever seen. And I'm like, why would, was this not addressed then? But why was this not part of my postpartum checkup? Why has no one addressed this with me? And, and really he planted a seed of basically that my, that surgery was going to be my only option. So after having my second child, mm-hmm. a year after she was born, I did have the surgery. Mm-hmm. It took two surgeons, six hours to oh. sew me back together. So why and, don't you tell us what is that? What is, um, divert what is that oh thank you let's back up yeah like some people don't know still in 2020 no, I still don't know no i don't okay i am so sorry okay diastasis recti is the division of the rectus abdominis so when you're looking at your tummy area there's several muscles that are in the tummy area, but there's one long muscle that goes from your ribs to your hips straight down. And that muscle, when it's developed, it looks like six little muscles. They call it the six pack or the eight pack, right? That goes right down the center and your navel is right there in the middle. That's actually just one muscle. Mm -hmm. And it's an amazing muscle because it can flex in two directions. It's the only muscle in the body that can flex outward or inward. Okay. Why? Because we have babies. So the, the muscle has to stretch and flex outward during pregnancy, but it can only stretch so far mm-hmm. before that little line down the middle starts to open up. Okay. And, and we're finding out now in 2020 that about a hundred percent of pregnancies by week 36 have some level of diastasis. Oh, wow. So basically it stretches too far or it stretches more than it's supposed to stretch. It and stretches. then what are the complications? What comes from that? Well, it can cause a lot of complications. Um, it, first of all, it's aesthetically displeasing, right? So you look at yourself in the mirror and you're expecting one thing and you see another. Mm. And it, it can actually look... You can actually see it. It actually looks like sort of a protrusion of the abdomen wow. or like your muscles are falling out of your body, which is kind of what it is. Oh. Um, and it's misdiagnosed as fat all the time. Oh my God. All the time. So moms are having babies without realizing and they're thinking, how am I losing? It's not losing, but it's an actual health condition. Exactly. Oh my God. They think so, it's baby so going weight. back to your initial point, like you said, why aren't they automatically testing this for women to make sure if it's something that does occur often that you would think that that would just be an automatically check to say, hey, let's make sure that that's healing properly, right? If I'm understanding it's healing properly, it's good. It wasn't it didn't stretch too far. Wow. But no, yes. of course they leave it like for the mom to figure out. Well, and, and I'm lucky to live in a town like Austin, Texas. I, what, I wasn't here when I had my children, but in Austin, we have um, natural birthing centers, a lot of midwives, and they will. They will check for it and they will um, help with recovery or do some kind of a referral to a therapist or an expert where in medical history, in Western medicine, the postpartum checkup is to make sure she's not going to die. That's the reason. That's it. Make sure that the uterus is back where it's supposed to be, that it's, that it is not um, erupting or anything, that there's no issue in the area that's going to cause bleeding Mm -hmm. to excess. Right. And so that's what that postpartum checkup is for. It's actually not for other functions in a woman's body to check, to make sure that the woman is, um, I I had a midwife, I had a home birth. So I understand the, um, the, the deeper level of postpartum care you get with birthing centers, you get with a midwife because she checked me, even though I, I dealt with my postpartum stuff later on, but she was like, how are you? Are you eating? Like she was making sure I was actually taking care of myself as opposed to just, you know, making sure I wasn't bleeding and all of, you know, um, that part. Um, so that's a good point. Um, okay. So you're, you're dealing with this. You finally figure out how it is, what it is. So what did you have to do to, oh, you said you had the surgeries. 
And I had, I had two surgeons work on my abdomen for six hours. And, um, because that was the only option that was given to me at the time. And even within my own industry, there didn't, there just wasn't, nobody had a solution. Nobody, you know, referred anybody to anything. So that's what I did. And actually the beginning of my practice in my book is me recovering from that because the recovery from that surgery, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's like recovery from a cesarean only times a thousand. Because when you have a cesarean, you know, there's been cuts to the muscle and the nerve and whatever in the body. But when you've had a full abdominal reconstruction, basically, then all of the nerves and muscles have been cut and sewn. And you don't even realize how many things in your body are connected to that, that one muscle group. So you can't raise your hand. Like you're like, well, how does my shoulder, how is that affected by my rectus abdominis? But my background in kinesiology makes me start to think through these things. Okay. If this is affecting my body this way, then to recover this, I need to do this. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was stuck in a, um, in a slouched over position for four months. I'm staring at the floor for four months because I couldn't stand up straight. So the beginning of my recovery was literally realigning my skeleton and muscles. That's where the alignment piece of my recovery system comes from. I realized when you're lined up correctly, mm-hmm. then everything else can start to fall in place. The oh. second piece of it was learning how to breathe again, believe it or not. Because when that happened to me, I couldn't inflate my lungs anymore. Like I had to relearn how to get a nice full breath. And I'm a musician. So it was when I first woke up out of surgery, I was telling the nurse, I can't breathe. I'm drowning. I'm going to die. And she's like, no, take a deep breath. And I'm like, I can't, I cannot breathe. Um, so I had to relearn how to breathe again. So that's part of my method too. And then I had to reconnect brain to body and I, and that's core connection right between the brain and the body. And I realized that I had lost a lot of that in pregnancy in the postpartum period as well. It wasn't just because of the surgery. It was It was all the different little traumas that had happened to me along the way that I had disassociated or didn't have those brain body connections anymore. So doing all of these like little moves and and little things I'd learned from Pilates and yoga. And also I love physical therapists and I love chiropractors. And so I had been to both and I learned so much from both that those lessons also integrated into this system, right? So I'm working on myself first, and this is true for most people that help others. You work on yourself first. When I went back to work, when I went back to the gym, I decided, you know, I can't possibly be. Wait a minute, you went back to the gym after all of that? How long was your recovery that you were able to do that? You're like, oh, I went back to the gym. And I'm like, hold on. (laughs) You were just saying how you couldn't breathe. Wow. Good. How did. So it was like physical. You had to actually get your body. What was that recovery time period? Well, I would say that first four months was those pieces Mm -hmm. and like literally like learning how to walk again, like basic bodily movements again for about four months. And when I could walk and move again, I did decide I was going to go back and start helping other people, even though I wasn't really super strong myself, my strength, getting my strength back that I had, well, I'm, I'm not the same now and I will never be the same that I was before all of this, but I'm blessed by it. Um, But that took, it took me three years to do a sit up again. Wow. Oh, so when you're saying you went back to work, you went to back as being a trainer and helping other moms get together, but your own ability to get into the gym and do what you needed to do took about three years. And right. look, and you said you had the, um, not the know-how, but you had some of the, um, uh, not a lessons, but like you said, you went to Pilates. So you were trying to, okay, well, if I do this, I can do this. So you had some things already kind of ingrained in you to kind of get your body going. So imagine for the everyday woman, like someone like me who would have no idea how difficult that would be now. And and you you may go into this. Do you regret doing the surgeries? Is there something that maybe could have been done other ways? Like talk about that. Like, like, uh, so go into you. Okay. So go back into writing your book because I'm sure you'll, you'll get into that. No, it's yeah. No, this is so interesting. You hit the, I never heard about anything like this. You hit the nail on the head. It's like if I had had me 
before, then I wouldn't have needed to go through what I went through. Yeah. But because I went through what I went through, then on the other side of it, I've designed this therapy system sure. that is helping women around the world recover without surgery or with minimal surgery. And I say that because sometimes hernias are involved mm -hmm. and sometimes hernias do need a surgeon's okay. help. Mm -hmm. So, and I would never tell someone one way or the other, like sure. I can't make that decision for someone else, Absolutely. but I can help people do the things that I did post-surgery and lo and behold, it helps them with diastasis recti, pelvic floor dysfunction, yeah. other core dysfunction issues and core stability and helping not only postpartum women recover, that's 90% of who I help, mm -hmm. but men mm -hmm. that are struggling in their core, mm -hmm. um, people that have had eating disorders, people that have done weightlifting incorrectly and hurt themselves. Mm -hmm. All of those things I have helped people with now that I walked through this. I was going to say through your trial and error and getting to a place, hence you writing the book saying, okay, I got to put together what I wish I would have known back then. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I took this method and, and I started helping people one-on-one -on -one, and it was really just to help pay it forward with the alignment, the breathing, the core engagement thing. And I could not believe the difference it was making. I, first of all, I couldn't believe how many of my, clients had diastasis recti and I didn't know and they didn't know. Wow. So I started checking everybody and mm -hmm. I was finding it in roughly 60% of women who had ever had children ever. Yeah. Still had a level of diastasis and, and, and then we could help recover that, mm -hmm. which was amazing to me. But um, so what I know now is like I said, almost a hundred percent of pregnancies have a level of diastasis six weeks later, 80% of them still do. And depending on what they do next mm -hmm. and how their body recovers, they can either continue to have issues with diastasis yeah. or they have a method of recovery for themselves. Or sometimes they, they already have that, what I call core engagers. There are people that were born core engagers and they under, they just have kinesthetic knowledge and they, and they recover from it. I realize you unbeknownst to them that they're actually fixing something that they don't even realize they have. Exactly. Yeah. Which is amazing. But, um, I, uh, I put all of that together. First of all, before the book was written, I put it together in three short videos, mm -hmm. very amateurishly done. And I sent it to 200 people. I was like, try this, tell me if it works. Yeah. And I got emails back from beyond the people I had sent it to, right? Mm -hmm. I got emails back from Indonesia and Russia and Australia and Korea. Oh, I just got the chills. I know, right? And they're like, thank you, you saved my life. And I'm getting these pictures back of these people that I've recovered with these three short videos that they practiced every day. Wow. Then I start getting questions about it, deeper questions, what can I do? Mm -hmm. And then that turned into the book. So it's not just those three short videos. It's like, how do we start here yeah. and how do we move through the process? And then what do we do next? And then how do we progress forward? So all of that is important. Absolutely. And that's why I needed to put it in a book. Wow. That's amazing. So when did, was the book published? How long did it take from beginning to end? I worked on it for, well, I was really dedicated to writing it all down. Mm -hmm. And this is after it had been up here for so long. So then you got to convey and put it on paper. How did you, I needed to dump it all out. And so I, it took me about six months to dump it all out. Wow. Um, and then, you know, I had an editor and a proofreader oh. and all of that. And so it was pretty much all of 2018 was spent around that book oh, and it so was fairly new. So this was your, this has been a long journey for you of from beginning to end of you coming through your transition of recovery, helping women and then realizing the importance of getting something out there. That's amazing. I definitely want to put a link for that. And um, yeah, cause I didn't even know I saw it said author, but I, I had no idea what it was, what it was about. So no, that's amazing. So 2018, it was published. Where can, where can we get it? 
It's on Amazon. Okay. It's called Flatten My Postpartum Belly, and it's available in paper or on your Kindle or on Audible, which is my voice on Audible. Nice. And all of it comes with um, video links as well. Okay. It's very important for my visual learners to understand yeah. what, what you're referring so, to and what you're discussing. Yes. Nice. Wow. Okay. So then from the book, or I guess, so I know you said you focus on postpartum fitness. Um, and I see a lot of your workouts on your Instagram. So how do moms, um, or I guess I should say, how do people contact you through Instagram? How long ago did you start your IG page to say, okay, you know what? I wrote the book or did it come after um, when you built your IG page to then have the workouts and the, the things that you do online? Or I, I guess when you started Carrie Fit, right? Because you said Carrie yes. Fit. Yeah. So like I said, I was teaching group exercise in the 90s. And in 2004, I... I Mm -hmm. branched off into personal training and got my name. So Carrie Fit became a business in 2004 officially. And I started doing YouTube mm -hmm. in 2007, 2008, I want to say, wow. like right at the beginning of YouTube. Yeah, the beginning, yeah. Yeah, and I yeah, I just heard about this platform and I'm like, okay, why not? So I start doing these little fitness tips at that time which morphed into within the last few years, a lot of modification tips because what I get from women a lot is that they they're trying to recover, right. And they're trying to get fit, but a lot of typical fitness is not safe for women in postpartum period, much less women with diastasis recti in postpartum period. Good point. And here's what's, here's how the cycle is working, which is super unfortunate. This is why we need to get ahead of this. Doctor clicks the checkbox at six weeks that says you can go exercise. Now, what do you think, or what would I think when doctor says you can go exercise? You can do your push up. I mean, I would think, okay, I can go back into my hit workout, my high intensity, everything I was doing before, even though in my mind, I'm like, Ooh, I better relax. You're thinking I'm okay to do everything I did before. I'm okay. I could just, I've, I've gone back to who I was before. Let's just go back to CrossFit. Let's go back to boot camp. Um, and they get hurt mm -hmm. and then they come around to finding some postpartum material of mine, either on YouTube or Pinterest usually. Mm -hmm. And then they find out that they had diastasis recti and have probably made it worse from going back to the wrong kind of fitness. Mm -hmm. And then they start doing postpartum appropriate fitness. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's why I try to get in front of this as much as possible and do as many fit tips and, and Instagram types of things that, that I can talk to new mothers or pregnant women so that they will start in the right place and not backtrack and hurt themselves and then try to start over again. Let me ask you, what do you know based on your, I'm obviously you have a lot of experiences, right? I mean, you said you started, started this 2007, your own, um, um, not issues with it, but obviously your own experience with everything you went through. Um, my son will be three in November. What is that postpartum period that women still don't realize, I guess, that it takes from the time you have the time you have the baby to where you do feel like you can kind of get back into what you were doing before, I guess. Like, let's say, okay, let, let's, let me word it differently, um, especially for my listeners out there. So let's say I just had my, I just had a child and I come to you, right? How long would I need to be with you before I can jump in to go back to doing CrossFit? I guess that's a better way of wording it. Excellent question. Every body is different. Mm. Every pregnancy is different. Every postpartum period is different. Every body is different. And I treat every body as its own. Mm -hmm. And so I think probably one of the biggest struggles is trying to put your body on a timeline. That's so hard. And I know that I did that myself. And I, I know almost 100% of my clients do that too, because they think, okay, I, I need to have this time scheduled for my postpartum period. That's it. Because it's what's been ingrained in us. It's what's been told to us. It's what we see on Instagram. But continue. Yes. Yeah. There was a very famous person that had a baby the same time that I had my first baby. Mm -hmm. And that very famous person walked a runway in a bikini three weeks later. It put me in such a shame spiral. Yeah. You're like, what so, about me? What am I doing? Um, um, and, um, yeah, no, that's, that's a very big, um, mind 
I was going to say fuck, but it is. I mean, tired it is. so whatever, but you're like, what the is going on? It wow. is. And, and this illusion that we have yeah. that the body bounces back like it's some kind of rubber band. I actually, actually hate it when people call postpartum classes, things like bounce back or get your body back. I'm like, my body never left. Yeah. Still mine. Yeah. Still can do amazing things. Has, has given life. Hello. Yeah. I don't need my body back. Sorry, I need to move rebirth. forward. It's a rebirth of, of understanding what your body just went through and what it can now do going forward or maybe what changes and being accepting with that is in essence what I'm learning, understanding of what you're saying, right? Is saying, I just exactly. went through this, let's see where my body's at and let me accept of what I need to do going forward. And love your body through it. The struggle of women that hate their body through it will make the process painful yeah. and long and dreadful. A woman who loves her body through it and respects it and tries to listen to it will always have a deeper level of success moving forward. And that's, that's like physically, mentally, emotionally, all of it. Sure. But I think that also then starts in the pre care too, because one of my things of why I want to start a mom is no best is because I had a home birth and I'm not your normal crunchy looking mom. You know, I know they have like the, I'm just not. Um, but I do believe in some holistic care. I believe that we can heal ourselves through food and certain things. So I wanted to do this to empower women and let women know everything we've seen on TV of making us fearful of birth when sometimes you just have to surrender. And that was my biggest thing of what I wanted to show because what you just said does start in the beginning of pre, because if you have that kind of connection, right, of knowing like, okay, I'm going to be one with my body. My body's meant to do what it's supposed to do. These are like um, positive affirmations I had, right? Because I'm like, oh, I'm going to have a home birth if that's what was meant to be. And, you know, it was. Um, so that it can carry me into postpartum care because I still, what I'm trying to do is sit up. Like I said, I'm almost three years in. I'm like, God, why am I still so tired? Why, why does it still hurt? But because I kind of had that from the beginning, I'm like, okay, well, this is what's meant to be. And I'm going with the flow. So I, I haven't been hard on myself. I guess is what I'm trying to say where moms who didn't maybe have that connection from the pre, they've carried it now all the way through. All the way through. Yeah. And imagine within my industry and it just kind of what is acceptable and not acceptable in women in fitness. And this is still the case that you got to look like a bikini model or you must not be a good trainer. I had put that kind of harsh indicator on my own body. So I understand for sure how women can play those stories in their head. Wow, that's a good point of what you need to look like as a fitness trainer and that of yourself of, oh, wow, yes, I didn't even think about that. So speaking of timelines and how things progress, what I like to do is start with where she's at today, okay? And we sort of go through a little bit of a diagnostic because it looks and feels different on everybody. Like I said, so if she has a diastasis, she might say things like, uh, my back hurts. I have digestive problems. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I can look at her posture and sort of tell that the alignment is completely off and that can cause pain throughout the entire chain of the body. Mm -hmm. Um, if she has a pelvic floor dysfunction, she'll say things like I have to wear a diaper or I pee when I jump ladies. It's not normal to pee when you jump. It's not normal to pee when you lift heavy weights. Mm -hmm. It is typical happens to almost everybody, but it doesn't have to, and it's not normal. But so we talked about this generalized. And so it's because you hear the jokes like, Oh, you know, I pee when I laugh. And it's like, so I'm thinking it is normal when, like you just said, it can happen, but are you really supposed to pee when you lift weights all the time? Like you might have to stop and think and say, okay, this is not just a social norm that they're trying to put out there. I could have an issue. Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, pelvic floor issues are very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so we address all of those things in our little diagnostic. And then we go through the alignment diagnostic. We talk through how to make posture and alignment and breathing and core engagement better. So the whole first week is like, that's it. Like we are just talking about your body and your life and, and how to make this line up better so that you feel better. Right. Because if we don't have that foundation, nothing else is going to work. Absolutely. Nothing. And you can't put what, let's say, worked for me on somebody else because we, we're having two different, two different 
we're just two different people. <laughs> it's different experiences, people that um, their home life is different. And, you know, and some women, like I, I help a lot of women that have multiples, yeah. tiny babies. That's hard work. And it really affects the muscles in the chain, um, especially because most of us are not bodybuilders. Like we're not normally yeah. carrying around 60 pounds of extra weight on our arms all the time. It's hard. Absolutely. So, yeah. So we go through, you know, life lessons and, and what our home life is like. And then starting in like the second and third week, we go more into the rehabilitation process where we do specific exercises that help re-engage the core, help re-engage the pelvic floor, um, help with flexibility. Cause a lot of times that is the core of the issue, spinal flexibility, pelvic flexibility, all of that stuff. And then we start to transition into more functional movement mm -hmm. that is exercise, but it's just functional exercise. When you're moving around in your house, you got to do your squats, right? So we have to practice how to squat properly. We need to practice how to get down and up off the floor. And, and we turn those into exercises. Mm -hmm. And then we can transition into more fitness, fitness. But even so, there are modifications for fitness that might go on for longer than you expected. Sure. So for women with diastasis recti, I don't put them in a full plank. Mm -hmm. I do not until they've gotten to the point where they can engage their entire core safely in a plank. And for some women, that takes a long time. Yeah. So you have to remove yourself from the self-judgment of it and just say, you know, if I go into a plank at this point, I'm setting myself backwards. Or I need to modify to hurt it. Or can get hurt. Yes. So modification is not weakness. Modification is not just for beginners. Modification is doing what's right for your body where it is today without judgment. No, I love that. Now, is there a meal? Like, what about diet? What's the correlation with diet? Because I'm sure that plays an important part of it as well. I love that you brought this up. So, you know, with my data and with my research, I was trying to figure out what role nutrition had to play with muscle and soft tissue repair and recovery. Um, and what I found is what you would expect. People that are eating more plants and less processed foods tend to have a better recovery. I try to help women get on at least like just eating actual natural real food, yeah. not things that have been processed and heavy on things that come out of the earth yeah. big time. No, but how difficult is that? That's probably a difficulty for moms, moms with um, multiple children, right? The time. I mean, I ate very well before my son was born, like we just did. But then after my son, like I'm breastfeeding, I'm trying to pump. So I was like, last, I was like, look, just get me what's available. And that was for someone like me who understood I need to eat healthy. I've had cleanses, knew all of that. But for a long time that went out the window. So how, I guess this is a twofold question. Number one, how do you help your clients? And number two, what advice would you give to women during that? If you don't have a time to like, just give me that McDonald's burger. <laughs> oh, I know. And first of all, my favorite word is grace. Give yeah. yourself grace. Like we're not going to be perfect. Nobody's going to be perfect. And sometimes we get hangry and we might grab you say the hangry? food. You said hangry <laughs> with an H yeah. yes, because that's me. Yes. If I don't eat every few hours. I'm hangry and my family doesn't want to be around me when I'm hangry. <laughs> we're just saying that same thing. No, I think that's, that's embedded in women's um, DNA, but <laughs> continue. And when you're at that moment, you need to eat. Yes. So Number one, grace. Number two, ask for help. Gosh, we're so bad at that, right? Whoever lives with you in your house, if they're helping you with, with the babies, they can also help chop some vegetables and have something ready for you. It's not that much to ask. That's a good point. Microwavable vegetables, something. Easy stuff. Um, and then number three, have it prepared in advance. So you can pick out maybe a couple of hours during nap time on the Sunday to prepare like, you know, maybe um, a salad and stick that in the fridge. And then you can grab that later, a healthy snack that has protein, fat, and 
um, good healthy fruits or vegetables, stick that in a container, stick it in, have them ready to go so that you just grab it when you get hungry and you're not trying to prepare foods while you're doing everything else in this world. Okay. No, and that's smart. Having smoothies, I guess smoothies would help too. Definitely. Smoothies that you can carry with you and, and sip on is so helpful. Getting a couple of superfoods in your day will change everything. No, I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, I, I would say it's so cliche, but it is. It's like you are what you eat, right? So if you're on this journey to recovery and you're constantly um, giving your body toxins with it, right, of the processed food, even though, like you said, it's important to give the grace, but if not of the realization of moms to understand, like, some, yes, give yourself grace, but also try and take care of yourself in that regard. Because if you can't, if you're not taking care of yourself and you can't take care of your little one of your family, you know, in the long haul, you might be okay. Yeah. Those first few months and you're like, yeah, I'm on it. But then over time, you're just going to wear down. And you had mentioned mental and emotional health. Your food has everything to do with that too. Yeah, no, it definitely does. Um, And I'm sure there's a whole scientific thing with that of like the saturated fats, the processed food, the sugars, um, um, all of those things. But again, it's, it's, having the time as a mom to do it. My heart just goes out to the single moms out there. My mom, my heart always goes out to the moms who don't have that village. Um, That's why we need to help create a village for them because they should not be doing this alone. No, no, absolutely. But thank God for things like Instagram, YouTube, because look, like you said, you had women from all over the world. Like that's crazy. And especially in those kind of countries, because women are in the last of the totem pole to get anything right. India, Russia, those two countries right there. Like, no (laughs) women, there is no women. Um, you know, there's none of this. There's not a lot of this. Yes. And and just pretending like everything has to float under the radar and you can't really talk about anything. And and I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Right. So I probably help a woman from India about every day. Wow. India is very common to, um, to reach out to me and, and they'll say things like, you know, there's, there's nobody here that I can talk to, or there's, there's no resources here. And you're the only one that I've seen that's talking about this stuff. So, um, if I can be a voice for any other country, I am glad to do it. So tell me, what does that do for your mental though? Because I know for me, and I'm on a small scale of anything related to what you're doing, just of like trying to post content. You know, I have a full-time job that's outside of what I'm doing on Instagram, trying to build my podcast interviews just so that I, again, I'm wanting to give moms like yourself um, uh, space to talk I have another interview I'm doing next week. She's not a mom, but she works on newborn care. So just, you know, trying to give, again, a different way of resources, but that's on a small scale. And I get overwhelmed with feeling like I have to be on and, and okay, I got to do this and I got to do this. What do you do things to help you kind of, because you're still working on yourself. You're helping these moms. You know, what do you, what do you do (laughs) for your own overwhelmingness? I do work on myself. I, um, I consider my personal self-care to be absolutely paramount every single day. So my workouts don't look like the workouts that I prescribe to others because I'm at a different stage in my journey, but I do a, a hard workout five or six mornings a week. Um, today is my rest day. Thank goodness. Cause I am sore and I eat healthy. And I sort of have like, I'm a really boring eater. I eat pretty much the same thing every day, but it's what helps me basically keep this, my noodle buzzing really, um, energetically and, uh, helps with my mood. Um, it keeps my anxiety down. Like I've just really realized that my eating plan is super important. I feed my mind with positive personal development Every single day, I am a student of A Course in Miracles. It is my rock that I can always stand on. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I have those things in place, and of course, my husband, my partner is also a rock. Like he has been my rock. You can't do what you're doing without having some kind of support. Yeah. He is 100% my supporter. And 
anytime I need anything, he's always the first person to be there. In fact, he's the person that told me that I needed to be telling people about this process because I was living small. I had been working on myself and personal training clients and put the blinders on. And he sat me down one day and said, when are you going to tell the world about this? Because he saw that that, that so many people were suffering, but I was stuck in my own story. Like I said, there's this expectation that the trainer has to be perfect. That for me to explain to someone that I wasn't perfect was scary to me. And he's the one that told me I needed to get over myself because it could shift so many more lives. That's awesome. He was so right. Yeah. None of this would be possible without him. Yeah. My kids are amazing. My kids are 15 and 11. They're very independent. They're, they're self-starters, self-learners, um, strong young women. They, they do their own thing and we have a lot of fun together. Um, and so I think that that's a, a big part of just having a nice, healthy home life is a big part of it. No, I think that's a good point. But I think they're also for your two young girls seeing an inspiration as you, right? I'm sure um, they've seen your journey because children are watching you know, from young, oh, yes. short, you know, so I, I, I can imagine that's left a, a healthy impression on them of seeing, you know, maybe your oldest of seeing your recovery and being like, wow. And maybe, you know, she has said it or not, but in her mind, like, wow, I remember when my mom was X, Y, Z and look what she's able to overcome and do and look how she's helping other people. So that's amazing that you're, that you've been an inspiration to, to, to your two girls, because that's so important. Thank you. I think so too. I mean, it's my life's work, right? No, that's awesome. So how have you been during quarantine? How's your family been during quarantine? What have you learned, you know, in these last, gosh, what are we now, four months in? I know. And, and Texas is looking not good. Well, I'm in Florida. Um, yeah, same. I mean, it's, uh, but like I said, I have a, an amazing home life. And so when the shutdown first happened, said, no problem. We just pivot. No big deal. I'd been working on my online presence for the past decade. And so I was, I just transitioned everything to online rather than going to anybody's home or doing any class in person. Mm -hmm. And that was a pretty easy shift for me. Um, My husband is a realtor and that was a tough transition because at first there were no home showings and and they weren't really sure how they were going to progress in this new way of doing the market. And now it's, it's coming back and they have found ways to do it in a very healthy and clean way. Um, And my girls, like they're amazing. I, you know, if it was me and I was 15 and my mom said, sorry, you have to stay home for the next four months. (laughs) What? I'd be like, what? I can't, I can't do that. She's been fine. Like she, um, she does the six feet apart dog walking with a couple of friends a few days a week to have that social interaction. And, and my younger one is sort of something similar. She's 11. And so we have a couple of friends that they can bike ride six feet apart so that they can have social interaction, but um, amazing modern technology allows them to FaceTime with friends, to study with friends. Mm -hmm. So they've been doing schoolwork with friends, even though they're not in the same room, that's been super helpful. So they have transitioned really well and we're not going to be in school for a little bit longer in Texas and, and they're going to be okay. They did say, you know, that they were ready to be back (laughs) in school in person, but they understand why they can't be right now. It's just, you know, we, we talk to them in a level that we know that they can understand and they're pretty smart kids. So it's like, Hey, you know what? Just not safe to do this yet. And they're like, okay, all right, here we go. Here we go. And they're ready to bounce when it's time to open up. That's amazing. Um, I want to go into, okay. You talked about your Carrie Fitz. Um, you talked about your book. So how do women join? Um, I know you mentioned you do your workouts. Um, so again, if I was a mom and I came to you and I think I had commented on one of your posts about my knees, right? So like, I wish I can run, but like my knees, you know, hurt me. So you mentioned that that would be something, um, I forgot exactly what you had said. I'd have to find it, but, um, and then what, let's say that was, and I was like, okay, I want you to help me with that. Then do you have programs based on the kind of things that are needed after going through some kind of diagnostic, I guess, testing of, of what is wrong with me (laughs) and what I need to do? Right. So I have several ways to work with me. There's independent learners that like to just read the book, 
or do my online course because I also have an online course called the Diastasis Recti Recovery System. It's on Udemy. Oh. So if you've ever done a Udemy course, it's like being in a classroom. Oh, you wow. You the course. Udemy. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And you can post questions or whatever if you like to be, you know, an independent learner. Um, but a, a lot of my women also like to have more time with me or more time with community and with group. So I'm always like trying to give my women what they need. So I have the group training option, which is, is run mostly in a Facebook group, mm -hmm. but also like with sort of a constant conversation, messaging, commenting on, you know, with me, sure. I'm involved with them. So in that, like I give them a 10 week calendar and we go through the recovery process and we go through transitioning into fitness and I've pre-recorded 42 fully modified workouts mm -hmm. that helps like they start on day one. And, and by the time they get to the end, they've transitioned into a, a, the next level of fitness, but I require them every three weeks to take what I call the exit protocol. And that gives them information. It gives me information. Okay. How did you do with this exercise? Did you feel this on this? Can we, you know, and so then they figure out which modifications they need to continue with and which ones they can transition out of. So the plank one is, is a typical one. No sit-ups, curl-ups or anything like that is another one. And leaving at least one foot on the ground is another one. Okay. Um, and so eventually people can transition to leave the ground to do two feet up to lift their head and shoulders off the floor but they have to do it the right way and they have to take that exit protocol and give me information on what's happening in their body awesome. so that we can move them forward so that feels like they're working with me even though they're working in this facebook group and in a group and whatever and then i have a personal training option too and the personal training would be like you and me talking today only I'm leading them through specific exercises for what exactly that person needs. And, and I usually do that for six weeks with someone. So we'll meet one-on-one -on -one and then I give them an assignment that they have to work on that week. And then we meet the next week and they have a new upgraded assignment, et cetera, et cetera. So, and usually within those six weeks and they, by the end, they understand what they need to and can do next. And a lot of times they just transition into the group because they're ready to go and into more of that group environment. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and I'm actually interested in, in doing, of course, offside, not right now, <laughs> of discussing eventually because no, my knees have always been a problem. I mean, and I wear heels and sometimes I take the stairs when I probably shouldn't because I'm pounding, pounding, pounding um, just for work. So there are things that I'm like, I know I could have, but I, I shouldn't have done that. Um, but even still running has kind of always been an issue for me with my knees and being on the pavement. And I do love to run. I live in a beautiful neighborhood that I would love to get out and just, even if it's for 10 minutes, just to get out and run, but I prevent myself from doing it because automatically I'm like, I know my knees are going to hurt. Am I going to make it worse by doing that? So I'd love to, you know, do a sidebar with that and figure out what kind of program or, you know, if that's something you can help me with. Absolutely. I'm going to start the running coach program in the fall and I am not a running coach. So it's not my gift, but I have an affiliate with a running coach program. And what I love about this program is that it's going to teach cross training and correct form. And so it's going to have like cross training video workouts, but then also audio training when you're actually out running. Oh, that's awesome. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, and I can imagine in the fall because I'm sure it'll be much cooler. <laughs> right. Far. Yeah. Right. But I'm going to um, go for it too. Cause I used to run, I used to run seven, you know, miles a day in my twenties and in my forties, it just doesn't feel as good, but I'd like to give it another go. Yeah, no. And like I said, I've always been a great, I've, I've always loved running, not for long periods, but um, if I do want to, I'm like, oh, I need to run. Right. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I feel it. And then I'm like, oh, and then my knees and then I stop and I realize that that brings me down it's like no I want to be able to run even if it's 10-15 minutes without worrying that I'm you know hitting the pavement and I'm possibly doing more damage you know so yes I will definitely we can we can talk further about that that'd be fun um okay so now I want to go into some questions actually if, if you don't mind me asking um and we don't have to go too far left but I loved how you had posted something about George Floyd 
um, how honest you were about everything. What made you feel compelled to post about that? If you don't mind me asking, because I no, asked. I don't, I don't mind at all. It's I can't help it. I think probably the worst business advice I ever got mm -hmm. was to not get involved in things like politics. I know, and it's, and hard. it's hard though because we are living in a very, very weird culture climate where if you say the wrong thing, it's it's very nerve-wracking for I'm sure business owners of, of what to say and what not to say which is why when I saw your post I was just like wow of how just honest and open you were about it I wanted to ask but continue I don't think that it's a business mistake to have integrity yeah in fact I think it's the most important thing that we can do and I know I I, I if I'm not true to myself and my integrity I, I start feeling icky um, and so when it comes to things that have to do with humanity, um, fairness, um, doing what's right, I'm, I'm going to say something and, and I'm not saying things to be divisive. Sure. I'm saying things to support other humans and, and to support the planet that we live in. And I think that because I have a platform, I need to say something and Everybody knows that I'm a woman of faith. You can't get very far in my material without finding that I am a woman of faith, but that compels me to activism. It doesn't compel me to stay silent. It can, it compels me to say what Jesus would say if he was standing here with you. That's beautiful. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and I think you hit the nail on the head. I think integrity is everything and not being just device, um, uh, divisive because yes, what you wrote was not, left right it was just what it was human it was just being a humanitarian at that moment and saying what is right like no we need to love one another peace put this aside so um yeah no what you had wrote what you wrote was just so beautiful and um i was actually very surprised that it was very unfortunate but i was surprised and happy and hopeful of seeing so many people using their platform and speaking out and saying okay we're not going to accept XYZ any longer. We have to love one another. We have to um, come together. And I was hopeful in seeing all of that during that time. And I just, I, I not to use the word hope again, or I should say have faith that it will push us forward in the right direction going forward. I do believe that because I believe that um, having these kind of dialogues, opening up meetings, you know, it just, um, it calls for change and change can happen. Um, in times like this of people discussing of moving forward um so it's it's scary times but also hopeful times you know yeah don't you think that's why we're here yeah no i agree i 100 yeah. percent agree um and i'm also a woman of faith so you know i definitely can understand in saying how sometimes you can't stay silent because you know that that's not what he would intend for us to do not in times like this you know, so that was, that was just awesome though. So I just wanted to point that out because I saw that and I was like, oh, wow, because some people don't, some people don't say anything and they want to play it safe, you know? Um, but Carrie here, so at this part of the interview, I like to just kind of, kind of go into like your favorites, right? So we can learn more about Carrie, who you are as, you know, your wife, your mom, your businesswoman, um, um, you know, so let's go into what is your favorite movie? Ooh. Well, um, the first movie that just popped into my head is Remember the Titans. Oh, do you remember that movie? Oh God, yeah, that's a classic. That's a great, powerful movie. I love that movie because I love that it's, um, I love the message in it and I love the coming together of people and I love anything that's in a team environment where the team comes together for a common good. And the common good was well beyond winning a state championship. Yeah, no, that's a beautiful, it's, I think it's an undervalued movie too in that aspect. Like it's a great sports movie, you know, it's a great sports movie. And I mean, it's Denzel Washington. Hello. Yes. Um, but the message is that it has, like, it's definitely something that um, children should see of all ages and races and cultures, you know, so that's a good one. What's your favorite book? Um, to Kill a Mockingbird. You know, I've never read that book. I want to go back and read it again. It's on my Kindle, of course. And I read it several times as a young adult and, and in high school mm -hmm. is when it became like my book, yeah. but um, a lot of the same reasons. And it's a, it's about a, a trial of someone who didn't commit a crime and was accused of it because of the color of his skin. Yeah. And it's told from the perspective of the daughter of the attorney who happens to be a little white girl 
Oh. Um, and I just always related to her. Wow. Yeah, I have to. It's it's interesting because in my high school, I don't think we had to read that book. And I know it's a classic, um, but I I myself because of what's transpired in the world, find myself of wanting to go back and um, read things, um, um, books by people of color, authors of people, you know, and, and just different kind of things. So thank you for pointing that out because I would love to read that. I know it's a classic, so mm-hmm. I would love to read that. Um, what's your favorite indulgence? I like a, a vodka seltzer. Oh. <laughs> I do. Nice. That's like my little, you know, sweet treat i guess that you're just like that's your (sighs) (laughs) that's your like who my um you're waiting to exhale moment (laughs) that's awesome um what i know you mentioned um when i asked what have you been doing for quarantine or what what do you know i had asked actually what you do for to kind of keep your mind um going and running since you are doing so much of yourself of giving yourself of helping other women your wife your mother but what other things do you do for self-care that are important to you? Uh, my quiet mornings are important to me. I tend to get up before the rest of the family. And in that time, I can sit down with a cup of coffee. I do love my coffee as well. I can eat a good breakfast. I can listen to something that, um, that will shift my mind to the positive or feed me in the morning mm-hmm. um, from a spiritual or mental perspective. A lot of times it's reading a little bit of A Course in Miracles. And this morning I started listening to a book called Inner Size by John Asareff. Okay. Um, and, and I'm excited to sort of make that part of my morning practice for a little while because it's about literally exercising our brains to help us achieve what we want to achieve in life. Oh, wow. I'll have to check that out. You said it's called Inner Size? Inner Size literally inner i-n-n-e-r size s-i-z-e oh okay yeah which i so relate to because i'm like oh yeah i exercise (laughs) now i need to exercise i love that no it's all it's all mind body soul spirit it's all a connection it really truly is i mean your body can be on point and you can be but if you're not here or here you know spiritually and mentally it's what is it for you know so yes i'll Mm -hmm. have to check that out um because i myself like to have my quiet moments whether sometimes it's just lying in bed and i'll say I want to feel X, Y, Z. I'm strong today. I'm, I'm, I'm confident today. Let's say if I have to do a meeting, you know, of putting what I want to feel um, kind of out in the universe for that morning. So that's something I probably would be interested in reading. What has motherhood taught you? Everything. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right. Like, no, how do you, I know it's hard to pinpoint one thing. It, it really- I am a completely different person because of my children and I'm, I'm eternally grateful for every single day with them because they are the ones that came here to teach me to be better. Yeah. And I think that's a good point. I think as uh, again, in how we were raised of those generations before it's like, you know, kids are taught to be seen and not heard, right. We're just Mm -hmm. there um, without realizing that children really are here to teach us. And if we really listen, they can bring out just, so much of, um, of, of just such innocence in the world and the, um, uh, you know what I'm trying to say of just, yeah, they're here to really teach us. If we really mm-hmm. listen and, and it's really, if you know, they're to teach, to teach us of how we should be right. That mm-hmm. openness that, you know, they're just straight to the point. My son is, you know, it's only three, but goodness gracious, how he could call out BS in a moment and just yes. learning to go from, you know, he could be upset about something in the next second smiling. And I'm like, God, oh, I wish I could do that and not linger. They're just uh-huh. so just these great little human beings, you know? Yes. I have a good short story for you. Do you oh, listen to Wayne Dyer ever read Wayne Dyer's material? No. You know, that is okay. Uh, recommend everything that Wayne Dyer did. He's no longer with us, but um, had a long, lovely life. He was a doctor, but um, realized that the spiritual realm was more of his interest than the medical realm. So he did that for the last half of his life or so. And he would interview little children because his belief was that little children were closer to God than we were. It's like we got separated from God as we got older and all the layers of the earth get shoved on us and stuff. And the little ones he believed still remembered. 
And so he was at a house one day where he was interviewing a three-year-old and they had a brand new baby at the house. And the three-year-old was, I have to talk to my little brother by myself. I have to talk to him by myself. Let me go in there. And I just want to talk to him for a minute. And so we and Dyer listened at the door. They shut the door and the little boy was talking to the baby. And he said, tell me what, what it's like. Cause I'm starting to forget. Oh my God. Oh my right? God. Make me cry. Wow. Right. Cause they, at about age seven, they start to, you know, shift past that whole, like, just innocence, that whole spirituality that they do have, because it just is. And it's actually, it's sad in a way when you think about it, because then life happens and things happen. Um, think of children that might've had traumas in their life. And then what start to shape them into being young adults and adults when really and truly why it's so important. The um, formative years are just so important for children. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. I'll have to check. You said Wayne Dyer. Mm -hmm. okay. He has a ton of books, talks, all kinds of things. Okay. I'm going to write this here. You just giving me so much. <laughs> I love it. No, I love I am it. a nerd with that stuff. <laughs> I love, I love um, any kind of any, I just love continually just growing in any aspect, whether that's reading books, um, watching movies or whatever it is. Um, what advice would you love to leave for your two girls? What message would you like them to just always know and always remember and carry with them? No pun intended. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, I actually had sort of this conversation, bad advice in it, and it's supposed to be written for young Christian women. Um, but it was very, very much the patriarchy, very much don't trust yourself. You know, you have to listen to what the men in the church say. And she was really upset by it because she's learned better from me. And what I said to her was, God's voice is already in you. He's not somewhere else. He's in you. You listen to you, the internal voice inside of you. And if she can carry that with her, she'll be all right of just listening into her tuition because it cut off for a second there. So it, it paused. I don't know if it was my internet connection. So I missed that first section that you said um, of how, so if you don't mind repeating that, cause it got cut off. Okay. My daughter was reading a book that was written for young Christian women. Okay. And the book is supposed to help young Christian women, but the actual content is very much the patriarchy. Mm. It's very much don't trust your own feelings or your own voice. Trust the men in the church. That's sort of the whole um, premise of this book. Mm -hmm. So she read the whole thing. She highlighted and circled things that she had serious issue with mm. and she brought it to me. I'm so proud of her and she's very upset by it. As um, she should. Yeah, she should be. And I'm, I'm so grateful that she was and that she didn't take that as being okay. As the gospel of what it should be. Correct. Exactly. So I said, no, God's voice is in you. It's not somewhere else. Yeah. You don't have to listen somewhere else because his voice is already in you. You listen to that. No, that's amazing. Um, and even of us, of us trying to change, because I think as parents, we're like, no, this, and I think it's so important. Like you said, it's in you, no matter who tells you what left, right, high, low, you listen um, to the voice of when he's speaking to you. And I think that's so important because as much as we think we even know what's best for our children, um, you know, we have to let them be who they are and who they need to grow up to be. So that's, yes. that's awesome. Um, and then Carrie, any final words, any final words you want to say, you know, to, to the podcast world? <laughs> so yeah, your audience is my people. I love my moms. Mm -hmm. Moms, I would say to you is love yourself, take care of yourself and trust yourself. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, like I said, I will put where, um, on the podcast and on my IG where, people can find you. Um, I'll get the actual title of your book um, and where they can find that. And I think that's it. Carrie, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. Um, I can't wait to work with you moving forward so I could get, you know, into 
myself, especially with the running. I am part of a workout group, but now, you know, you have me thinking like, maybe I need to kind of step back and see where I am in my fitness journey after having my, my son, because there are some things I am weaker in. And I was putting myself down like, oh, I should be here by now. I mean, it's been three years, right? So I'm thinking, oh, no, I should. So I'm sure we'll we'll have some discussions later on and I'll reach out to you. But thank you so much for coming on and sharing your truth um, and, you know, blessing the audience with uh, some very important information. Thank you for having me. This was really fun. I enjoyed it. Thank you. And you're wonderful. Uh-huh. Honey, we'll talk soon. Okay. Bye. Have a Bye. great weekend. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Mamas Know Best. We got something to say podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and give a review on the platform you're listening on. Tune in next time to hear another fierce mama share her story. Continued blessings to you all for love and light.